Hello folks, I'm Elijah. Today we have Jared Smith on the show. He is the man behind the one-man band, Heliocentric. We discuss everything from being an atheist in a Christian band to what books he's been reading to influence the lyrics for his upcoming album to things like he breaks down one of the visuals in his video and all the thought he put into that which was really interesting so I really enjoyed this episode it was lots of interesting ideas and things and it was a lot of fun too so I think a lot of you guys will really enjoy this one I did and let's get right into it hello folks I'm Elijah today we have Jared Smith on the show Jared how are you doing I'm well and thriving man how are you I am doing good, yes, in like the final week of term for college. Or, oh, shoot. So just trying to get everything that I should have gotten done earlier <laughs> done, but <laughs> doing good. Dude, dude, what are you studying? I, I'm studying broadcast media, so like video and audio stuff. Heck and yeah. All, all that sort of thing. So do nicely. Yes, so on this show we discuss what folks are all about and stuff so jared i'm gonna ask you the most shotgun question imaginable (laughs) what are you all about yeah jeez louise well uh yeah i'm a one-man band called heliocentric and i'm an atheist who makes christian music yes so (laughs) like the whole atheist who makes christian music thing like Mm kind of like what inspires you to make music um yeah oh man well i think i don't know i i think that like i there's the question of what inspires me to make art period and i think that you know i'd be i'd be creating stuff any which (laughs) way like i can't not make stuff Um, yeah exactly but then the question of like why do i make art about christianity in particular it's like well i i think it's beautiful um i think it's fascinating and uh alluring and yeah i mean there's a there's a big part of me that wishes wishes it were true even though i don't believe that it is but um yeah yeah i so like were you ever a christian or did you just like end up studying it or yeah 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 so i was um, I was a really devout believer for a decade. Um, so mm-hmm. I had a radical conversion experience at 13, uh, and, you know, spent a decade, um, you know, studying theology and really, really cultivating, a, a walk with the Lord. Um, and then, you know, in, in high school, I was both the, uh, student chaplain, um, as well as the worship <laughs> leader. So yeah. You know, I was like I, up on stage two or three times a week, sometimes, you know, preaching to the high schoolers and middle mm-hmm. schoolers about, you know, having a fruitful walk with the Lord. Um, and then after that, I graduated from high school and then enrolled in a, I usually call it a pseudo seminary. Um, yeah. Actually, I don't, I don't know your like church background. Like, um, it's kind of all over the place because it's enough. like, I'm 16, but like my dad's, He's a pastor, but, like, he was a student for a while, so he would just pastor wherever. So I've been to, like, super charismatic and then, like, super conservative churches just 
Okay. But okay. so I think I'm pretty in the middle, but it's like I've been all over the place. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. So the the school of ministry that I went to, um, yeah. it was called Fire School of Ministry, and that was like a super okay. duper ultra charismatic, uh, yeah, three year non accredited. I yeah. Uh, I don't know if I said this already. I usually call it like a pseudo seminary experience because yeah, you did say that. Sorry, I'm. I say it all the time, and I. <laughs> it's alright. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I did that for three years, um, and then enrolled at Wheaton college where I studied, uh, theological heavy metal music. Um, and yeah, then, uh, I, I deconverted, um, between my sophomore and junior year there. Right. Yeah. So it's been a whole (laughs) very interesting process. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's been, like you seem like you're very you seem like a very intellectually minded person with like just how rigorous you are with your lyrics and things and like how thoughtful it is. Oh, so it's like I kind of I kind of figured it was something like that where it's like through that. Mm-hmm. Would you want to get into like as much as you're comfortable like what? kind of was the deconverting thing for you yeah and i talked about this um in a podcast a little while ago uh, okay that a lot of like a lot of christians and even even a lot of non-believers want to conceptualize it as like oh so what was the one thing that made you yeah. <laughs> turn away from god um you know, they, a lot of them think it was like a, a God's not dead. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but they, they think of it as something like that. Like, yeah. And then my dad died and I was like, done, you know, burned a church down yeah, or something. It's um, like that movie is not like a really great way of showing what non-Christians are actually like. It's just, it's a wee bit painful to watch. The... <laughs> So when it when it first came out, you know, I was still in ministry and I remember when yeah. it first came out, I was like really excited about it and I was like, okay, yeah, you know, they actually did do some decent apologetics in there and uh and looking back now it's like uh, I I wince a little bit. Um <laughs> and it, it they only get funnier. Uh like by the time you get to the third one, it's like, dude, what is what is going on here? <laughs> um, yeah. But no, so uh also if you I've got like a little thumbnail on my screen, but my camera will like automatically turn off every 10, 20 minutes yeah, or so. That. So if you, if you see that, uh, let me know and I'll have to pop my camera to make sure it doesn't clock out on me. Great. Um, yep. but yeah, so, uh, it, it, it wasn't like really one thing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it was a lot of little things over time that kind of, uh, you know, cut away at my tapestry of faith. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe my understanding of how the Bible came to be the Bible, you know, okay, well, you know, some, there were, there were some harder questions there that made it more difficult to hold. Not like it was insurmountable. Um, but it made it more difficult. Uh, and then, you know, there's some, there's some philosophical questions there. It's like, okay, well that, that is a problem for theism. Um, again, not like it's insurmountable, but it makes it harder. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of those things like compounded, 
uh, finally brought me to a place where it's like, dang, I, I don't know if I can believe this anymore, which sucks because, mm. you know, it's, um, it's like Peter said, you know, Lord, where else will we go? And, uh, yeah. and I still don't feel like I have anywhere else to go, which is why I still write Christian music. Yeah, I that's a very interesting story because it almost seems like it's like a little bit weird to discuss some it with someone that way. It almost seems like a meme video that you'd make. Right. Um, <laughs> Which is so funny because when I when I made the, you know, I'm an atheist making Christian music video, yeah. there were a lot of people in the comments who were like, wait, is this a meme? Are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I had to be like, no, wait, guys, I, I make, I make both videos. I make serious and, and silly Which videos. You make the most fantastic meme videos <laughs> ever. It's like, like your music like might not be like the best metalcore, but like your promotion for <laughs> your music just means that you kind of have to listen to it, just because it's so good. I, I appreciate it, man. No, it's really kind of you. <laughs> You're welcome. I like. I suspect that you might be like a slightly ADD person, just because of like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, <laughs> just a wee bit. Like, you're a little bit interested in making a bit of everything. Oh, dude, I, or... yeah, it's it's just a smorgasbord. I was writing <laughs> down the other day, like, and I mean, you know, it's like the fun of of getting to do it all is like you get to yeah. you know one day you're in Photoshop like making album art, and then the next day yeah. you're in Logic like. <laughs> mastering a track and then the mm. day after that you're making memes about i don't know metalcore <laughs> and poop jokes and it's like it's fun yeah <laughs> yes exactly it's like with my brain it's like i'm not like super add because like i know what that looks like because when my younger brothers is mm -hmm. so he's like constantly making so many different things like you'll find like a dalek head in his room and then like all these like random lego figures and stuff but it's like i get it because like i'll be like one day i'll just be like you know what i need to make this meme mm -hmm. or whatever or like i need to turn this line from cool runnings into a very <laughs> short song <laughs> like it's just good the good randomest i'm here for it yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> so i very much understand the wanting to do a bit of everything oh yeah oh yeah so going back to what you said earlier about what inspires you and things um if you were to say like what generally just like inspires you to make things how would mm. you answer that i don't know man i mean making things <laughs> makes me feel alive um, yeah i mean there's you know that that crazy feeling of like you look at a blank slate and you know you stare at it for a while and then you write <laughs> yeah. a couple of riffs add some drums to it and then you know it's like you blink and it's like oh my gosh there's there's a whole song there um yeah. <laughs> and it's like yeah kind of ex nihilo you know something from nothing and it's it's a it's an insane feeling yeah exactly it's like with a christian perspective it's like well we were made in god's image so mm -hmm. it's like yeah but it's like so that's instantly what my brain thinks about whenever i'm making stuff but it's like 100 percent. it's but yeah it's like 
for me often with making stuff it's like making this would kind of make me happy just like with ADHD people they're like doing this drug would make me happy it's also possible for it to go like (laughs) a completely different direction of like you know what I'm just gonna make things and stay straight edge that's fair that's fair dude the straight edge movement man that's a throwback gosh I don't think I ever like identified as straight edge but like I guess I was about as straight edge as they came like I didn't I didn't start drinking until I was yeah of legal age and even then it was yeah I don't know it's, that's funny gosh because yes. I even I remember backpacking Europe when I was 20 and uh yeah all throughout that whole time there um you know I didn't drink the wine in Italy or Greece I didn't drink the the beer in Belgium or Germany yeah. and it was just yeah I was I was straight edge <laughs> Yes, I have you stuck that out much or um I mean I'm not like a I'm not a heavy drinker now but yeah yeah now I I go to the bar and ah uh, yeah and definitely you know have a cold one with the boys uh ah uh, yeah I smoke a pipe from time to time but you know I'm just trying to be like all <laughs> the all the cool Calvinist kids who who do that <laughs> yes trying to join the reformed gang oh uh, dude they they're some of the funniest people um yes i have a huge appreciation for those dudes like i don't know just the you know reading john calvin and uh smoking a pipe and sitting down with a pbr or something <laughs> like it's just so funny that that's like a, a new trend in some christian circles <laughs> that, i'm totally here i've for not it. heard of that but that's quite interesting like cracking open John, I forget what like John Calvin's massive book is called, but I know he's got like a really big one. But just like <laughs> that's gonna bug cracking. me. Cracking, yeah. It's like I'm gonna find figure. I'm gonna like find it in my dad's office <laughs> after this, and then be like, oh, shoulda known that. But right, I'm gonna look this up. Um, John I was I was gonna do it if you didn't. Calvin book it's like christian articles or something uh oh institutes of there we go something institutes of the christian religion yes that was it there we go dude so i've i've never read much from the uh reformers um so my whole background is i've got a lot of research done um about what's called the anti-nicene era so okay. anti as in before, like you anti up in a game of poker, and then Nicene as in the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. Yeah. So that's kind of like my big area of research and study, um, you know, and, and you you being in some charismatic circles, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. That like a lot of Christians talk about, um, we just want to be like the the church in the Book of Acts, right? <laughs> exactly. And. Uh, and you know, I've, I was always like, yeah, amen, I want to do that. But then it, it was just kind of weird to me. It's like, like my, my knowledge of church history was really like vague in high school. And I was like, okay, yeah. there's the book of Acts and the church there. And then we blinked and then there was Martin Luther. And it's like, did the church <laughs> just like fall asleep for 1400 years? Like what happened? Yeah. Um, and then I, I started digging like my senior year of high school and I was like, oh my gosh, there's like, there is a library of like beautiful Christian literature here. And I mean, so many of it, like 
so many of those writings read like the New Testament um, mm-hmm. in their beauty, in like their poetry and their style. Um, and I mean, most of the stuff that we have from that era is like pretty orthodox and like pretty yeah. sound. Um, and then, you know, that's the whole, like, that's what my whole first album was all about. was all about the martyrs yeah. from between Christ and, you know, the, the fourth century. Uh, yeah. Just some like insane stories that I don't know why people are, why people are sleeping on that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's like, it's interesting because it's like it is very true that people it's like they remember acts and then that a bunch of christians got eaten by lions and then Mm -hmm. they jumped to martin luther yeah it's like (laughs) and it's it's like like, yeah it's like oh yeah christians were eaten by lions like oh can you name one (laughs) and and most people most people are like uh i know that it happened but it's like you you know that we have like the writings of Ignatius of Antioch who literally was writing to yes. the churches in Rome, well to Rome and to uh oh gosh, to the other, you know, surrounding churches and uh he he was writing to them as he was like being taken away to be fed to, to lions. It's like we we have writings like that and nobody cares. Like he, this man is literally like on the way to his execution to be torn limb from limb. And mm-hmm. it's like, we don't read that. We don't talk about that. And, and I mean, they're so beautiful and they're so like, yeah, you know, passionate with regards to his love for Christ and like his care for the body um, of believers. And it's just, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's dumbfounded to me. Yeah. Is like people definitely need to read more of that stuff because it's like, there's so much, like first of all like history in any context will help you understand your current context better it's like there's things where it's like you see that and it's like well that's actually an ancient heresy which if you knew about all this stuff dating back yeah then you would know but and then there's also like folks like saint augustine or whatever who they've got like really amazing stories which yeah need to be told and it's yeah it's like interesting that you know i haven't read a ton of augustine but the thing that a lot of historians will say about him is that he was the father of the first like modern autobiography Mm. um yeah and i mean like even even non-christians you know have a super deep debt to him in the literary world because like in the ancient world you were always saving face you know you you don't like disclose you know, your personal struggles, like you, you don't do that. It's just like, you yeah. know, you, you put on the facade that you've got it all figured out. And, and then Augustine comes along and he's like, yeah, man, I, I stole these apples from, <laughs> from an orchard. Yeah. And I don't know why I did that. It was a really crappy thing I did. Yeah. And it, it was yeah. like the, the transparency of that. It was just like that, that didn't exist in the ancient world before Augustine. Yeah. And, you know, now like thousand plus years later, we're, you know, finally like coming to appreciate like, oh yeah, the, the humility and being honest mm-hmm. with yourself and in the human condition, um, it's important. So go Augustine. Yes. And then like, he goes like a lot beyond just like stealing apples. So he's like, oh, so he's like, and I slept with prostitutes and stuff. And then mm-hmm. after that, I got saved. And it's just like, it is a pretty mad story which like when you first hear it you might not quite realize what time right it's from if you're not 
aware of that, but it's like he was a pretty epic dude. Hundred percent, man. Like wild. I someone maybe this does exist, but someone needs to come up with like some sort of animated thing where it's going through like ancient church history. Dude. Like just different stories. If someone's listening to this and they animate, you need to do this. Dude, it's prime real estate, man. Some YouTuber needs to swipe that up. Yes. <laughs> okay, I need to find out if this is a thing afterwards. But I've like. seen a couple of of animated like church history YouTube channels. They're they're never like super high quality, but like it, it's yeah. it's more like doodles, which is good enough to like get yeah. the point across. Um Mm-hmm. this is random but here's here's like a fun fact so they they have you know a little bit of this for church history they also have it for islam which is mm-hmm. really fascinating because okay. muslims are iconoclasts so they don't believe that you um or at least sunni muslims they, they believe that you should not make depictions of the prophets and especially yeah. not muhammad um mm-hmm. and so it's like okay we're going to make a cartoon about muhammad but we can't show Muhammad <laughs> and it's yeah. really interesting how they try to get around this. And so they have like loopholes, right? Where yeah. you'll watch some of these and it's like, they show the cartoon and it's like a, the story about Muhammad's life. And then it shows Muhammad and he's just a glowing orb of mm-hmm. white light because they can't <laughs> yeah. show him. And then mm-hmm. in others, it's like they've, there was a movie made about the life of Muhammad and the way that they got around showing him was that it was from the perspective of Muhammad. So Muhammad was always <laughs> behind the camera. Yeah. But then my, my all-time favorite was uh, when they th- – there was one YouTube channel that I found. And anytime they showed Muhammad on screen or any of the characters, they were just floating 3D geometric objects. <laughs> so, like, Muhammad was just, like, a big floating rectangle. Um, this is just, amazing. It, it was – I mean, it's so it's so fascinating to me um yeah but i'm here for it it's this is something that i'm gonna need to look at afterwards just (laughs) it's like this is the sort of things that you find out if you have add and (laughs) are a very intellectual person (laughs) oh man i'm still a dummy dude i'm still still figuring it out book by book yes i but I'm curious with all your studying and things like what all were you studying when you were doing stuff at Christian colleges and things? Yeah. 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 So when I enrolled at Wheaton college, um, you know, I think that, uh, I, I had a really big passion for church history. Um, and I was also a little, you know, a little disillusioned with the charismatic world and, you know, trying to figure that out. Um, and so I, I jumped from going to like a hyper charismatic school of ministry, um, to, you know, a very refined, you know, kind of academic world of, of Christianity, um, which I love both. Um, you know, like Mm -hmm. I kind of fit in better with the latter, but you know, I have a big appreciation for both of those, both of those worlds. So when I enrolled at Wheaton, um, I enrolled in order to be an ancient languages major because yeah. it, it just kind of made sense to me. It's like, all right, I was, you know, kind of studying Greek in my free time when I was in seminary, um, pseudo seminary. Uh, yeah. 
And it, it just felt like, yeah, if I really want to study early church history, I need to be an expert in the languages. So that was kind of my goal was like, I wanted to be a PhD ancient world historian extraordinaire yeah. or whatever. <laughs> um, so I studied and did that. I took a few Greek classes and I took a, a Hebrew class here and an Arabic class there. And I realized really quickly, I'm really bad at this. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I just suck at this. So, uh, the question was like, well, shoot, what do I, what do I do now? Um, but it was like, well, I still have, you know, a passion for church history, but I've already got one theology degree. I don't need another. Um, and I was like, well, you know, maybe I should just pivot hard and like go the career route. Uh, but that, that didn't seem to make much sense to me either. Mm. So I ended up finding about finding out about uh, Wheaton's interdisciplinary studies program. So okay. the whole idea with that um, was that you get to study one thing from three different perspectives. Um, okay. So it was, it was a really cool program. So like uh, I chose to study... Um, the relationship between Christianity, Judaism, and Islam through the lens of ancient languages, digital audio engineering, and theology. So my okay. senior project was the album Ishmael uh, that yeah. I released in 2021. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was like those 11 songs and the 93-page research paper that I wrote explaining the lyrics that was literally what I turned into my Christian professors <laughs> to be like, yeah, get, give me my degree. This is. <laughs> yeah. I, you're just like, ignore just how heavy this is. But <laughs> here you go. Like, did they comment on that at all or? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, <laughs> it was, they, they, they were all like kind of confused and bewildered by it at first, but they were like, nah dude you you seem sincere and like you know we don't understand it but we're happy to you know figure out what this means to you and you know walk alongside you with it um which is really cool i mean like i know that a lot yeah. of a lot of uh christians you know I, I think a lot of people in the christian world still have the mindset of like oh yeah like most stuffy churches are like filled with believers who are like, uh, metal is the devil's music. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't found that to be the case. Like when I was yeah. in seminary, there was like loads of Christian metalheads, and it was like really supportive <laughs> there. Um, yeah. gosh, man, even when I was leading worship there, they let me scream on stage during like Sunday morning <laughs> worship a couple of times. That you know, they're playing fantastic. like, you won't relent until you have it all. You know, it was, <laughs> It was it was that fun, amazing. Um, but so and yeah, then the same thing at Wheaton, where it was like, yeah, it was you know they knew nothing about the Christian metal world, but they were super super open to it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was encouraging. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, a couple of my professors who were like my academic advisors. Um, gosh, one of them was like into prog rock, and I mean, he was a <laughs> crazy neuroscientist guy. But so I mean. People I, are people, man. It's the the world's changing. It's cool. Yeah, it's like for some people, they had their parents get them to listen to classical music as babies to make them smarter, and some parents 
got their kids to listen to prog rock dude to I'm, make them smarter my, my babies are going to be listening to mashuga like <laughs> day one out of yes. the womb you, you you little turds are making you know you're, you're gonna learn polyrhythms real quick yes you're gonna learn how to make people headbang to things that shouldn't be headbangable <laughs> and then that's that is the goal yes oh, man. and then you have like the ultimate one-man band because people will think it's one man but really you have all these children who know how <laughs> polyrhythms work that's that's what i should be doing is uh yes i should just start popping out a whole bunch of babies who are like musical savants and they can start playing all the instruments for me behind the scenes yes actually i mean I, there's it, there's no proof to say that i don't already do that yes i, I mean, mean Yes, if someone has a lot of money, they can do an investigation into <laughs> this man <laughs> just to see. The FBI comes and like knocks on my door, and they're like, "Ladies and gentlemen, uh, it turns out that heliocentric is actually eighteen like young kids um, banging on pots and pans and uh, mixing and mastering it inside of Logic." And oh it's, man, it's and like... then I get canceled, and and then life goes on. Or that, or they'll be like, we have a Christian artist that is better than Slipknot because there <laughs> is flipping 19 members. <laughs> Gosh, did you ever, do you remember a band called, um, I think they were called X, Death Star X? Yes. Is that right? They, at one point, I think they had like 20 members. I, I mean, it was something <laughs> absurd. Like they had like, they had three vocalists. <laughs> Who kind of yeah. all sounded the same, but it was just metalist. All <laughs> yeah. oh, get out. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a video online somewhere of they were featured on some like MTV show, and <laughs> they they were they were featured. I don't know if it was like Pimp My Ride or I mean it was some show like that, and they're like yeah. and you know and here's uh, X Death Star X. Uh, they're a <laughs> Christian metal band. And so they start playing a set and then there's like a swarm of midgets that come into the frame and they all start <laughs> moshing. You, you have to look this up. I swear I'm not crazy. It's the oh, weirdest dear. clip I've ever seen in my life, but it's just MTV is promoting a Christian band and they're like preaching about Jesus as there's a midget mosh pit. It's the weirdest thing. I, I love the internet. <laughs> that is... That truly sounds like something that should be really viral, but just has not reached some people's faces yet. It's just like... Dude, it's one of those things that, like, mark my words, give it enough time, and every good video will eventually go viral, especially this one. It's just, it (laughs) will happen. Okay, so, okay, now I'm curious, because they released, like, a music video in 2015 for, like, the one, like, comeback song that they did. And there really? was like twenty oh, people that. in that, so I'm like, were they all band members or? Because there was just like twenty people belting out the lyrics. That's crazy. Like... No, I'll have to go look into that. <laughs> yes, we'll have to do a follow up episode where we answer all of the things that we had to look into. It's going to be like a twenty minute episode <laughs> on all the random things. Dude, that... I'm here for it needed answers and required for no sleep (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh dang but yeah i definitely need to see that clip because that (laughs) 
<laughs> sounds so good. <sighs> Man. Yeah. And then, I don't know if you know the artist King's Kaleidoscope, but I just found mm-hmm. out today that they have an indefinite number of members when they're touring. It's anywhere between, like, five and ten. Really? Or, or like, sometimes they'll bring in, like, a whole orchestra if they feel like it. But gotcha. it's just, like, it's... Man, it's such an interesting way of doing things. I haven't, I haven't listened to them in years. Didn't they get in like hot water several years ago? Cause like they dropped the F bomb in one song. Yeah, I, they did. I remember that. That's so funny to me. <laughs> I'll have to go look them up again. See what they're up to. I, uh, yeah, they released an album like two years ago or whatever. So, mm. and then of course, in like the rise and fall of Mars Hill, their song was featured on that as like the theme song for that podcast interesting yes so i don't know if that's helped them out or if they just got a lot of money for that or what right right Jeez, that's crazy uh the rise and fall of like like with mark driscoll and everything yeah that one interesting were they were they affiliated with him i don't know i just know that their song was used as like the theme song for that yeah Oh, that's so interesting, man. It is. Yeah. I never I never kept up with that whole whole drama. Like I don't know how how damning um the stuff in that church was, but yeah, I, I always had a soft spot for Mark Driscoll. He seemed he seemed genuine. But then again, I I don't know. Yeah. I haven't listened to like all the episodes, but it seems like what kind of the meat of what they were getting to was that he was like too angry and controlling as a pastor okay but like it seems like he might have had good intentions but he just didn't have like a clear sense of what's the right way of achieving that right right like there's a quote of him saying that you either get chucked you either come on the bus or get thrown under the bus. And he says, like, by God's grace, there'll be a mountain of bodies behind the Marcel bus. And it's like, well, you maybe need <laughs> some better ideas Ooh. about how to. Yeah, that's that's interesting yeah. that it, it, it sounds is. like a like an anger management issue. Um, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. I. So when I when I released my. um you know, coming out as a, as an atheist Mm -hmm. video, I, I made it a point to like showcase some of the Christians who I thought like had done it really well and, you know, who still inspire me. And it's like, yeah, no, like I'm, I I don't, I don't believe this anymore, but like those guys did it right. And they, they had an authentic and genuine faith. Um, and and there's plenty of guys I'm happy to talk about. There there was, Mm -hmm. I, I went looking for like, pastors on the other side of that though who was like no these guys i have i have no qualms about saying like yeah these guys do not belong in the church they need to be (laughs) formally excommunicated um (laughs) yeah and it was it was hard to find people that i was like willing to you know fully discount and just you know like chuck them to the wind and say like yeah (laughs) you you have no value here um there, there are a couple of people like Kent Hovind, like I don't really have any qualms about throwing him under the bus. Um, yeah. I feel like he's done a massive disservice to the church and 
Um, and not even because he's a young earth creationist, like that's fine. Um, yeah, but just his whole style of everything is just so condescending and so like mean spirited. And, and then he, he recently, I think he's in jail, uh, or he's being investigated for like spouse abuse. Um, which again, that's not to say anything about, you know, the position that he holds as a young earth creationist. It's just like, yeah, he is a person. It's just, ah, oh, man. Yeah. It grieves me. Um, but so I think that that's, gosh, that's, that's always really the, the struggle with, you know, how do you, cause I've always been, I've always been good about differentiating the people from the ideology or the people from the position yeah. that they hold. Um, cause you don't want to give into ad hominem arguments, right? Like, mm-hmm, Oh, well exactly. that, that pastor's a prick. Therefore he's, you know, his position is wrong. And it's like, no, that, that doesn't follow. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, you're going to find bad people everywhere, but then it's like, yeah. At, at what point do you say that a person or a pastor or, 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 you know, somebody who's spouting ideas, like at what point do you say, no, this person needs to be pulled from the conversation. And I, I don't know. That's a, that's a hard question. It um, is. Yeah. And I think it's especially relevant in this age when people want to pull people from the conversation left and right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I don't really keep track of news much and I've basically gone off social, like Facebook and like any social media that's like not either me following bands or what my friends are getting up to just mm-hmm. because it's, not really worth going on it's like yeah it's a lot of angry people who probably need a better community around them yeah um dude i i agree completely and i've I've got some friends who study like political science and they're always telling me like bro you need to stay informed you need to know about what's happening in this part of the world or you need to know about this or this um and increasingly, I'm of the persuasion that, like, n- no, you don't. Yeah. That's, that's a lie that's sold to you so that you'll consume more media for, mm-hmm. I mean, not entirely, but largely. Um, yeah. And, and I think that, like, you know, if you if you really want to change the world, go and change the world. You know, yeah. go, go and love somebody. Right. I mean, I, I would much rather somebody be, like, well-informed about how their next-door neighbor is doing you know, mm, if exactly. they, you know, your, your next door neighbor has a, you know, a parent who passed away. Um, it, it's much more important that you stay updated on that and are able to actually do something for them because, exactly. you know, with, with the war in, in, in Ukraine and, you know, everything that's happening in the Middle East and elsewhere, it's like, those are, those are tragedies. And some people yeah. have the capacity to, to go and do something about it. Um, but you as a, random teenager or or young person it's like that's out of your control dude Mm. um and you can vote you can voice your opinion um but you're going to have a much better bigger net benefit in the world if you just care for the people around you yeah exactly it's like i think also all the news that really is relevant to you will come to you yeah even if you don't go looking for it like what you need to know you will find out and i think a lot of people are worried that they won't but it's like the thing is not enough people will be convinced 
to stop following the news yeah for you to not get the news so you're always gonna have some friends who you can kind of think they're a wee bit stupid well that's maybe not the best way (laughs) (laughs) i was trying to not use that word in there i was like well (laughs) no i gotcha we just did that but it's it's like you there's gonna be people who will let you know what's happening and right when i do need to vote i can find out but i don't need to fill my head with things i can't control yeah no for sure and i mean like when you think about I think that there was a time where it was really important that all citizens and civilians, you know, be well informed on everything that was going on because there was a certain point where, you know, it made sense to, you know, you you could have like an informed position about what your local government is doing and your state government and your national government. But now it's like, bro, I mean, we've got people with like multiple PhDs who are running every sector of the world. And I mean, it's like for you to have an informed position on everything. I mean, we've never (laughs) even had like a president who's able to do that. I mean, somebody who has a robust view of economics and nuclear energy and, Mm -hmm. you know, national defense and security and, uh, you know, foreign political powers um, and immigration and, you know, the religious conflicts in your own homeland. Like nobody can can know all of that and be an informed person um yeah and so yeah man just just take a breather and and do what you can and care about the people around you yeah it's like it's i think i'm quite fortunate to be in a community of folks who they're kind of like often of me and my friends will be kind of like aware of what's happening Mm -hmm. but none of us have like I guess, like, we won't fight about things or whatever. It's just, like, we might have a conversation on thoughts on the vaccine, but it's, like, we can all, like, respect each other that we might disagree a bit, but it's, like, we're still mates and all, but it's, like, talking to some random person on the internet whose face you've never actually seen make a proper expression and stuff, it's just... I, I don't like of it technology, man. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a struggle yeah I, and it's also yeah. what are you gonna it's, say like it's it's weird to think about you know the place that humanity is going to be in um you know 10 years from now 20 years mm-hmm. 100 years a thousand years and it's like you know so many of the the challenges that we have today are like you know, they're not going to be here in 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, most of them, you know, the, the problems that we're going to have as a species are going to be radically different in a hundred years. Um, and I mean, you know, it's laughable to think what, I mean, we're not able to comprehend what life is going to look like in a thousand years. Um, and this is, this is, you know, part of the research that I'm doing for my next album is, okay, you know, like the future of humanity and, you know, what we do moving forward. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that's yeah. you know, really terrifying, but it's also just <laughs> like lay people have my, my, you know, myself included have this conception that like, oh yeah, you know, the world in a thousand years, well, it's going to be like, you know, basically like it is now, 
except with like flying cars and like, you know, iPhones that you can just like, you can blink and it's like send a text message. And it's like, no, no, you're not, you're, you're not picking up what I'm, we're putting down. Like, like humanity is not going to be the same mm. species that it is um, in a thousand years, like yeah. without question. Um, and yeah, that's terrifying to think of. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's yeah. a wild ride. What, what all are you thinking of tying together for the next album? Is like, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I I don't I don't want to give too much of it away, and and it's not yeah. even that I like don't want to spoil it, but it's also there's a thing in uh in neuroscience and in like psychology that if you if you disclose what your uh what your plans are or what your hopes and dreams are, if you talk about them too much, then it robs you of the uh, the motivation to actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you get like, yes. you get a little dopamine kick. That's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to write a book and it's going to be like a thousand pages. The more you talk about that and hype it up, the less likely you are to actually do it. So just, yeah. I, I try uh, to you need to tell that one person that will keep you in check. Exactly. And then, yeah, exactly. That's I'm... the, the science is in on that. It looks like, nice. um, but so I can, I can talk about like some of the books that I've read. Um, okay. So I, you know, in the past six months or so, I've read uh, a really long book on Nagasaki um, and the bombing of uh, the bombing of Japan. Uh, And camera's about to turn off. Oh, thank you. Sorry about that. Um, But yeah, I mean, so that that whole book was cataloging like not just the initial bombing because I feel like most people have a you know a a brief understanding of like what that looked like, but yeah. the book followed the entire history of like what, how that shaped Japan afterwards. And, you know, all kinds of like weird stuff that, that you never think about, um, you know, like, okay, there was a, there was a bomb that went off in Nagasaki. Um, and you know, a lot of kids were at school and their parents were in the inner city. And so, you know, you just got hundreds of kids who, parents are just obliterated off the map and then they're orphans mm-hmm. and you know then you get a weird instance where these kids are being raised without parents and they turn to prostitution and it's like mm-hmm. i mean that's that's just one of the the hundreds of like dimensions yeah, yeah. of how insanely big of a catastrophe that was um yeah it's it's wild mm-hmm. so read a book on nagasaki read a a couple of books on jim jones um which uh, I just found out that I think it's uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is he just got set or cast as a, he's going to be playing Jim Jones um, in an upcoming film about him, which is going to be wild. Um, I don't don't know if you know that name or not. Um, I have no clue. Gotcha. So have you ever heard the, have you ever heard the phrase don't drink the Kool-Aid? Yes. So Jim Jones is the reason that that phrase okay. exists. So right. Jim Jones had a socialist cult um, <laughs> that existed uh, in my home country. Uh, and so he, you know, pastored a couple of churches um, and, you know, ultimately came to tell his followers, hey, um, you know, we're America is probably going to be nuked by foreign powers. <laughs> Um, we need to run away and find like a safe place and we're going to turn it into 
like paradise here on earth. And so they started this place called Jonestown, which was, you know, like this. So they, they flew down to a Guyana. Um, okay. And they started a commune and they brought over a thousand people there, uh, (laughs) to like work the land and, uh, you know, just, just be a socialist utopia. Um, that's mad. And, you know, at the peak of it, uh, Jim Jones started, you know, um, coming undone. You know, he, he, he was becoming a madman. Um, There's drugs involved and hmm. insanity. And uh, he ended up convincing more than 900 of his followers to commit mass suicide. Oof. So, I mean, it's, it's the largest confirmed suicide that is is known about in recorded history the only exception being masada in ancient israel but that's um okay that's a different question but yeah yeah so i mean 900 people willingly drank kool-aid it was flavor aid it was off-brand kool-aid laced with cyanide and i i mean it, it like there's there's no words to describe how devastating of a scene it was the Guyanese officials you know raid the compound because they you know got some alerts about you know some shootings that had happened and so they come and investigate and it's just this dense fog rolled over the entire compound and then as the fog starts to lift they see three and four body high three three and four body like stacked high just covered I mean the the entire floor just hundreds and hundreds of people you know, three, four bodies deep. Um, I, I mean, like, there's there's no words to describe, like, the kind mm-hmm. of hellishness of that. So all that being said, I, I have, like, a keen interest in the psychology of Jim Jones, like, what yeah. was going on there that, you know, he, <laughs> he could, that, that he could do this and that he could convince so many people to commit suicide. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people say that, like, they, they he so effectively manipulated them that it, it can't even be considered suicide. They would say that no, these people were murdered, mm. um, which is a really interesting question because you know it well is. then you know how do we how do we how do we grapple with that? You know where is what what are the limits of human autonomy and free will and responsibility? Um, and you know at what point do we do we say no? This was influenced by you know, a third party or an external factor. Um, it's, it's, it's hard. It is. So, um, yeah, I've read, read a, read a book about, or read a couple long books about him. And, um, so now the, the other thing that I'm kind of studying is, uh, futurism and, uh, the you know the future of humanity um and there there's kind of two angles to that that i'm interested in and one is artificial intelligence and you know super artificial intelligence um and then the other angle of that is uh human genetic modifications um and it's like those two in tandem um like humanity is not going to look anything remotely similar to what it currently looks like um, at the trajectory that we're, we're on right now. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and so, I mean, you know, it's like pragmatically, we, we're, we're just not good at like really taking that in and conceptualizing that. Like, oh, you mean my grandkids, they, they might not be driven by the same basic motivations that I'm interested in, you know, like, or, or they might be, you know, so genetically enhanced that, you know, I'm like a caveman to them in comparison. I mean, that's, that's yeah. not out of the question. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, maybe rushing it to say my grandkids, but, but certainly my <laughs> great grand, great, great grandkids. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, they're, they're not going to be anything like me. Um, so, I mean, with, uh, yeah, yeah, I won't, I won't ramble on about that, but it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. That sounds like some pretty interesting, but heavy reading. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I find my happy place in uh, dark spaces. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, it's like it's very interesting to think about, um, where we are in the context of history. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, we are in a spot which, like, one day people will be like, "This was way back in the past." where all this was normal and it's like it's like if i have kids they're gonna be like this weird death metal stuff is like my dad's (laughs) childhood music it's gonna be it's like on the one hand there's like that but there's also like we can't quite understand what probably makes sense to us for what the future looks like will not make sense Hmm. for future generations yeah it's like if you ask people a hundred years ago what they thought a normal road would look like, it's nothing like it does. Yeah. Well, I mean, even think about things like... So, when when I was doing research for my first album, Perpetual Felicity, yeah. um, I wanted to make sure that I was doing my, my due diligence to you know, make sure I didn't have any, like, flagrant errors about how i was presenting the martyrs and Mm -hmm. so i was i was lucky to find that there was a uh, that there was a perpetua scholar at wheaton so uh perpetua was a young woman in 203 ad who was martyred by the romans um and she you know i've got two songs that are dedicated to her and her prison mate felicitas um but so the the story goes that perpetua is in prison and she's a mother you know she's only like Mm -hmm. 22 i think at the time and she's got you know a toddler and so her dad comes to the prison and is like please you know recant christ and you know save your save your child and and i mean it's just like this gut-wrenching scene you know for for us as you know it's like okay you know this is almost 1800 years later um Mm -hmm. but we can still relate to how crazy and crazy and disheartening that must have been yeah um but when i went and spoke to the perpetuous scholar about this i was like yeah so you know what was what was probably going through her mind like you know she was like probably really struggling with you know how could she leave her child and she was like well probably but more so she was really probably hung up on how she could be such a disappointment to her father Hmm. and it's like that's weird because we don't think that way 
it's like, you know, you read that story and it's like, oh, she must have been, you know, so distraught and, and hurt as a mother. But, exactly. you know, in the ancient world, it was all about bringing honor to your parents. And it's mm. like you, you have to, you know, kind of step back and separate it and say like, okay, this world was not the world that I live in today. They had different values. They had different core beliefs and desires. Um, and the thing about, you know, the, the future and, and technology is like, yeah, that's, that's going to be changing really fast, really soon. Mm-hmm. So that like, you know, the idea of, I mean, we, we just, we just don't know, you know, like, oh, yeah. the idea of, yeah, I was just really looking for, you know, my, my one true love and, you know, somebody that I could grow old with and. Like my great grandkids might look at me and be like, "Why? Like, <laughs> yeah, are you stupid? Like, what? That doesn't make <laughs> sense to me. Like, what's, um, yeah, and I don't know that that whole question is fascinating and terrifying to me. Yeah, it's like we had, I guess I don't know what the exact word it for it is, but like pre-modern society, which was like mm-hmm. much more collectivistic, not in like a communist way, but it was, right. and then you get like and then now we're all the way over here where it's like hyper individualistic and like it's like once you get into history it's like you realize that people very much have not always thought that way and think about themselves inside of a group a lot more than we do now yeah yeah no definitely i mean it's yeah it's a wild ride yeah it is so changing topics a Mm -hmm. bit i'm curious what is like your history with making videos and like your acting skills are amazing so i'm not sure if you've done like lots of like plays or things or like oh man yeah i did like a look like i did a few of those you know like church youth group skits <laughs> when i was a kid you know like the yeah i don't know um I, I did you know a handful of stuff like that but the probably the biggest thing was um i did four years of improv when i was okay. at college which uh yeah cringy as all get out i mean like <laughs> you know like it, it, it's super embarrassing but at the time it was like you know it was other nerdy dorky freshmen and you would come <laughs> and you would do it and it, you know people would laugh because it's just it's just fun um yeah. so there that was a big thing but then also like you know my best friend kevin um you know we we converted together we deconverted together so i mean he's like a he's like a brother uh mm-hmm. we would always make stupid youtube videos as a kids <laughs> and uh yeah. you know i've got some like really cringy ones from when we were like 14 that are <laughs> stupid but endearing um <laughs> And then when nice. I started with Heliocentric, um, I I bought a camera because I was like, yeah, I guess, you know, I'll have to take pictures of myself or whatever to, you know, put on Spotify. And, um, yeah. and that kind of got me into the whole video world by accident mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, ended up recording my, recording all of my own music videos and, and doing stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then the the skit videos just felt like kind of a natural, a yeah. natural way to do it because, yeah, I don't know. It's like I, I want to do stuff like this where I want to talk about 
philosophy and theology and history and the mm-hmm. future. Like I, I want to have these big, deep discussions, but you know, well, step one is how do you tell people to listen to your music? And <laughs> yeah, gosh, I could go on a whole rant about that. Like <laughs> I see so many young artists who are just like begging people to listen to their music. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, you're, you're not a charity. Your art is not a charity. <laughs> Quit treating it like one. Yeah. You know, they're, you're, they're not, you don't want people to listen to your music because, hey man, I did you a solid and I sat through, you know, 20 minutes of torture listening to your grindcore <laughs> album. You know, it's like, nobody wants that. Dude, just like own your stuff, man. And like, be proud of it and be like, hey, I, I made this and I think it's worth listening to and you should go and yeah. listen to it. But there's the whole question of like, all right, well, nobody likes listening to new music um Mm -hmm. anytime if if you want to like kill a friendship or a relationship be the guy who's like dude you gotta check out this band it's such a good band and the other person's like oh that's cool uh have you ever heard of these guys no i haven't heard of those guys but they probably suck you gotta (laughs) listen to this dude dude this one album oh my god dude and if you're that guy i just Mm -hmm. you'll you'll have a hard time making friends um good luck good luck yeah but yes. so no i mean it was it just felt like the the most natural way to tell people to go listen to my crap was to make a joke out of it and be <laughs> stupid online and, and it's worked well yes i yeah it's like so how long have you been doing video stuff then if you started doing it with heliocentric yeah so i bought my first camera in 2017 okay so only five years which is crazy yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I bought that first camera and it's weird because now I do this full time, not, not heliocentric, but video editing and production. Mm -hmm. Um, that's my, that's my nine to five. Um, which I just remembered. I did not clock out today. Need to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're finding out now one hour later. (laughs) It's okay. I can go back and edit it. Yes. I, my bosses are probably looking at my timesheets being like, uh, is he working late today? Is anyway. he being really productive today? <laughs> or is he sitting on the couch eating Cheetos? Yes. Which, I mean, it, it is possible to do both. Please mm-hmm. and thank you. I, <laughs> yes. No, oh, man. But, uh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah I've been, been doing yeah. video stuff uh, for about five years. Yeah, how did you find it starting out doing video? Was it like quite a natural thing or um I think it was just fun. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I don't that think that sense. it was like I don't think that I have like much innate talent in anything. <laughs> um I think I just watch a lot of YouTube videos and there there's a there's a scale um in kind of the self-help world and the in the psychology world called the Dunning-Kruger scale. Where yeah. it's like y- you have uh, competence um, on one axis, and then you have uh, confidence in your competence in on another <laughs> axis. Yeah. So, like, what what always happens is that people get into a new hobby and they get a little bit of experience under their belt, and it skyrockets. So it's like the the yeah. curve looks like this, right? Where you know you you learn a little bit and you're like, I'm a newbie, I'm a newbie. And then you learn how to do a couple of basic things and you're like, Oh my God, I'm a professional. I am an absolute <laughs> legend. And it's like, you're, you're really, you know, only 
an inch or two into actually this <laughs> hobby and like everything there is to know, yeah. but you get super cocky and confident and then you start dipping and it's like, Oh wait, no, I don't know how to do that. Oh wait, that guy is so much better than me. Yeah. Oh wait, I really don't know this software. And then you kind of bottom out and then you're at the bottom and you're like, me. and if you can tough it out and be like, okay, I'm, I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. I don't know how to do this thing. <laughs> and that's when you actually like, yeah, become good at your craft. Um, and so, but I, I think through all parts of that, the biggest thing is to just really have fun. Um, yeah. Like there were, there were so many times where it was just, yeah, I, I know that this isn't going to be good, but I'm having fun making <laughs> yes. these stupid videos and I'm making I... my friends laugh. And <laughs> Yes. That's honestly like the biggest piece of advice that I always give people who are wanting to start any hobby or any mm-hmm. creative hobby. Um, it's like whether you're doing writing or music or videography, make memes. <laughs> yes. Because memes are fun. And you're going to get yes. really discouraged if you think that you're just going to start up a new hobby and it's going to be this, you know, your magnum opus and this grand masterpiece. It's like, it's not. It's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. So just accept that it's going to be bad and make it funny and laugh throughout the whole process. And yeah. somewhere along the way, you'll get accidentally really good at it. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've done with video, except I'm not really at a place where I'm very good at it. I'm just, like, good enough that my friends think I'm amazing at it. (laughs) That's kind of, like, the place that a lot of people are at, where it's, like, friends think you're really good at it, and then you're like, nope, I really need to figure out a lot of things. (laughs) Well, I mean, if, if they believe in you, that's a, that's a good first step. And then, you know, they, uh, they want to come over and record with you and make stupid videos. And then you get experience with that whole thing. That's, that's a good place to be in. Yeah. It's like, I know I can make like all right videos and things and like make it look like I know what I'm doing with coloring when really I have no clue. I'm just like opening up the curves mm-hmm. effect and being like, let's push the blue up and the red <laughs> down and that looks about normal now. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. No, yes. I, I, I know that struggle. Yes. Oh, and then it's like, I've opened up DaVinci Resolve to like try and figure out how to do fancy coloring things. And it's like, you push this this way and you push that that way and then down the way. And it's like, this looks like garbage. like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh man dude davinci resolve is is my everything dude i'm i use it on the daily yeah it's my full-time job is popping open davinci and chopping up footage and interviews and i love it i love it so much yeah my main software is hit film express i'm not sure if you're aware of that or not but it's like a free editing software but it's like it's probably the best free editing software that there is Hmm. um it's it's almost like if you put Premiere Pro and After Effects together, but it's not, like, quite that good. There's, like, a lot of things. Like, you don't have, like, extremely good tracking or anything. You just have, like, basic tracking, hmm. for example. But it's, like, for a free software, it's amazing. And if you're starting out, then definitely use that instead of throwing a bunch of money at something else. Definitely. But, no, I've loved I've loved DaVinci Resolve for the same reason. Like and I mean it's yeah, it's weird because you can do 
pretty much anything that you can do in After Effects in DaVinci Resolve. I mean, it's even got like, you know, 3D yeah. capabilities, but it's just, <laughs> it's so clunky to me and like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So now I'm using After Effects in conjunction with DaVinci Resolve, which it's not how you're supposed to use those two no. softwares, but <laughs> heck with it. Yes. I, it's like when I've done like video projects where I'm trying to make it look all good, it's like I've done like maybe the compo- composition and then like coloring stuff in DaVinci and then all the fancy things in Hetfilm just because that's the only thing that I really know how to do fancy hmm. things in without having to take forever to figure out how it works but i'm guessing if i keep doing video then i'll get to a point where i finally get my head around davinci resolve <laughs> i believe in you man yes Dude, you're gonna I, be gonna... you're gonna be a master of your craft in no time <laughs> yes and like the follow-up podcast we do in two years i'll be like well i finally figured out what happens when you push this knob left <laughs> And then you start your own creative agency and you're making eight figures and yes, legendary, man. I'll be like, you know what? I outdid you in the space of two years. <laughs> Dude, I, I yeah. bet you could do it in a, a whole I lot mean, shorter time than that. I mean, yeah, we'll see. That's that might not. That's probably not going to happen. Like with <laughs> podcasting and stuff. What I love about this is that it's so simple. It's like you talk with someone for an hour and 15 minutes it takes maybe a half hour of like editing and creating a thumbnail and uploading and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it's really easy to be consistent with it versus like with videos. I want to make like a new type of video every week, but Mm. the amount of time that type of video will take is like, I would love to make like lots of fan made music videos and stuff, but those take so Mm. long. No, yeah, those are oof. Yeah, I struggled yes. to even make my own music videos like that. That's that's a that's a yes, lot. It is. Yeah, what's it been like filming your own stuff like that? Oh man, dude, I'm I'm grateful to a lot of friends um, who have like you know helped chip in and mm. and pitch you know get, give me their hands with it because obviously I can't you know film myself. Uh, unless I'm yeah. grow tentacles or a couple of extra arms. Um, yep. But so, yeah, I mean, Kevin, the guy that I mentioned before, he, he, he did a great job. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's, he's also got a lot of video experience. So he helped me film um, like the whispers music video and the okay. Gabriel music video. And I think that those were the two that turned out the best just because he, yeah. you know, really has a good eye for it. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think that like the struggle with filming anything is always the space for me because um, it's usually like I have a cool idea, but I just have nowhere to film it. So yeah. I, if I were to show you my downstairs, like the uh, the one hand clapping music video that I released back in October, that was literally just shot in my one bedroom apartment. And it kind of shows it, it looks kind of cheesy. Um, yeah. But uh yeah, I mean, we, we set up the props there and had the actors in and out of the apartment. Yeah. Um, yeah, just kind of roughing it. Yeah, I think one of the funnest things to do with video is own whatever you're doing. Like, if you're doing something in a space that, like, you might not quite be happy with, just mm-hmm. own 
that and it's so much yeah better and i mean yeah i mean with, with so much of the video stuff it's like all right you know we're in a we're in a small room um we're you know limited like visibility how do we make this look cool given what we've got um yeah. and i think that part of the reason i wasn't super happy with the one hand clapping music video was because i was trying to trying to do something that was bigger than what i was able to do mm-hmm. um whereas like with you know because I, I was trying to shoot a whole thing of like you know this whole murder plot of the one guy trying to kill the <laughs> other guy yeah. um and it was like too too short of a time span and not enough budget and not enough time to like really get yeah. everything the way that it needed to be um whereas like with whispers it was a much better experience of just like yeah we've got a small room and there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of visibility how do we make stuff look cool oh we yeah. get a whole bunch of macro shots you know we just zoom in really tight um to you know like plucking the strings uh and uh yeah no it was, it was cool yeah that's that sounds about right. It seems like with a lot of music videos, it doesn't. There's not many where I think an actual story gets told very right. well. And yeah, and I, I think... mean, you might disagree, but it seems like there's a lot where it's like, it looks like they're trying to tell a story, but you're like, what is happening here? Right. Yeah, and I, I think about that a lot, and I, th- I almost feel like I got pressured into like feeling the need of having a story in my music video because yeah. the one for one hand clapping, that was the only one that I've ever done like that. Um, yeah. And I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I'm not good at it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm much better at just having like a poetic abstract idea. Um, that's like really visually pleasing, but it's like, Oh, this, you know, it's like a painting, right? It, it's yeah. not, it's not trying to tell well, I mean, sometimes paintings are trying to tell a story, but it's it's like a lot of my stuff is like visual puns, um, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm much better at orchestrating something like that that looks interesting um, than I am trying to convey. Oh, this guy had this motive, which is why he walked over here, and then this girl <laughs> saw him and had this reaction to it. Yeah, it's like what a lot of low budget movies struggle with is like conveying what's actually happening um yeah. and i'm not i'm not good at that either but like <laughs> you know in the case of uh in the case of um whispers uh that music video means means a lot to me uh because there, there's a lot of like visual puns and visual imagery that's that's really yeah. symbolic and I, I haven't talked to a whole lot of people about that um so one of the uh one of the shots in there is um the the subject is subject is me but i'm I'm dressed up and i'm facing away from the camera and i've got these Mm -hmm. this twine that i'm like holding in my mouth with one hand and i'm stretching out the the strings and i'm plucking it with my fingers like it's a harp yeah the the symbolism behind that was it was this whole conversation about like prophets yeah. when prophets speak the word of god what does that mean mm. where, where does that come from and and it's like 
you know, believers and non-believers aren't, aren't great at, at like really trying to like break down. What does that, no, like pragmatically, what does it look like? You know, if, if your best friend, you know, came up to you and said, Hey, I, God told me this, God Mm -hmm. said this, well, okay, well let's, let's break that down. Like where did, you know, did, did God like audibly speak to you? Well, well, no, but I have like a deep sended, you know, deep sense of, of this, this thing. And I, I know that I know that I know that it's true. Well, where did that come from? Is that, how, how do you know that that's not just your mind kind of running wild and, and you're not just convincing yourself? But then the, the trickier question is maybe that is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the, the way that God is using it. You know, maybe that's the, um, uh, the, 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 you know, the means by which God is conveying that truth, you know, mm-hmm. what if it's both that you are, you know, your, your mind is running wild with these crazy ideas and who's to say that that isn't God speaking, yeah. uh, you know, that, that God prearranged, you know, the, the neurons in your brain to fire in such a way that it came out as the authentic word of God. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. And so you have, yeah. um, you, you have in the, in the second century, there's a, there's a, there's a heretic who wasn't really a heretic, um, but he was kind of like a proto charismatic or a proto Pentecostal. And his name was Montanus and Montanus came on the scene in the church and he started, you know, telling people he was a prophet. And what was weird about it was he, nothing that he said was really like wrong. None of it was really unbiblical. None of it was really heretical, but he was just so weird. And so like people would always criticize him because unlike most prophets in the old Testament, where they would say, um, you know, thus saith the Lord, uh, God, you know, God says this Montanus would talk about what God was saying, but he would say it in the first person. So mm-hmm. he would kind of like stand back and act like he was a puppet <laughs> and say, I am God. I say unto you, repent of your sins and convert and believe in Christ as the Lord. But it was like, that was weird to everyone that he was doing mm-hmm. it in the first person. Yeah. So, so then there's this whole question. Is it possible that he really was being used mm-hmm. by God, that he really was a prophet, but that he yeah. was just bad at conveying it or that he was bad at wording it? Mm-hmm. And you have this, you have this verse in the New Testament that says, the spirit of the, of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Mm-hmm. And the way that I've kind of read that was like, okay, you, you may have a word from God, but you're in control of how you convey that, uh, you know, the yeah. tone of it. You know, if I, if I, if I get a text message from a friend and it says, um, you know, Hey, I want to come over. Well, how am I reading that? Because I can tell you, hey, I want to come over. Or I can say, hey, I want to come over. <laughs> Those are two very different yes. sentences. And it's yes. like, well, you know, what what responsibility does the prophet have in conveying the tone of what's mm-hmm. being said? Um, so anyway, I mean, the, the way that that translates back to Montanus is he's got this quote where he's speaking in the first person of God and he says, behold, I am the Lord God. And Montanus is like, is like a harp in my lap. I pluck his vocal cords and he rings forth the voice of God. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> geez, 
but then he's still the one speaking. Yeah. And it all gets filtered through him. So That's he's the, the one holding the strings and he plucks them. Because at the end of the day, there's still some sort of volition that's happening there. And it's it's hard. It's hard to figure out what's going on behind the scenes there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm sorry. That was a very long rant, but... That's really interesting, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's like... I'm not sure how many people would be interested in hearing all the details behind that, but that is a lot of very interesting context yeah yeah now all you need to do is find a way to make that into a meme (laughs) (laughs) i need to start doing that usually my my memes are pretty separate from my theology but yeah i should i should try to incorporate those yes (laughs) yes we will be waiting for that and then once you do that we will know that you will have the ultimate business plan because you will be forwarding your stuff through (laughs) memes and the memes will be including what you're interested in so it's gonna be it's gonna be a beautiful time yes if there's any businessman here take it from this idea i just came up with the last 30 seconds (laughs) this is the ultimate business plan (laughs) i'm gonna have record labels coming at me left and right now hit me up with offers and Ah, oh, the one-man metal band with a whole bunch of memes up his butt. That's <laughs> that's my tagline. Yes, I just take that to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, dear. Well, it's now 10.30 here, and so we should pack it up. But I've really enjoyed this. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Likewise, dude. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Yes, so anything you want to plug? Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, let's see. I'm on Instagram. I am um, Heliocentric Band on TikTok, which I'm trying to be more active on. I am also Heliocentric Band on Spotify. I am Heliocentric on Apple Music. I am Heliocentric on my chest. It is tattooed heliocentric um the graffiti that i scribbled on the car right before i hopped on this podcast it was just heliocentric in all caps um so yeah Fantastic. if you look you'll find yes I... <laughs> yes if you suddenly stop making music we'll know it's because you went to jail for all the graffiti <laughs> <laughs> with your band's name yes yeah. and i usually ask guests if like what folks can pray for and stuff which if you want to do that you can um, yeah 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 no man it's it's been it's been really beautiful um so many people coming out of the woodwork and after i you know told everyone hey i'm an atheist uh i think a lot of people thought that like and i thought too that everyone was going to be like angry at me or you know be yeah. say really terrible things but like everyone who's messaged me has been like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm sad that you're not my brother in Christ anymore, but I'm, I'm praying for you and I'm hoping for the best for you. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll take up, uh, Solomon's request and I'll, I'll ask for prayers for wisdom, man. I'll never, I'll never turn away down a, turn away a a prayer for a prayer for that. 
Yes, I mean, I'm t- just to be the cynic here, it's like that didn't quite lead Solomon down the best road ever, but it's like everyone does need a bit of wisdom. That's fair. <laughs> but it's just like I didn't want to come right back with pray for wisdom that will lead him to the point where everything is meaningless, even though he has about <laughs> 800 wives. It's like that's that's not what we're hoping for here. No. And and thankfully I haven't gotten there yet. I'm I'm only at about like four hundred wives right now, so Yeah. I, um yes, I it can only go downhill from there. Yeah. hundred yes. percent. But Well Elijah, it was an absolute pleasure, my man. Thank you yes, so much. Thank you, Jared. And I'll look forward to your next album explaining all of the books you've read about what the future may look like. And Yeah, thank you so much. Of course. My pleasure, man. Have a good one. You too. If you listened this far, thank you folks for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please recommend it to a friend or share it on social media. And I will see you guys in the next episode.